you work together as a team and you collaborate, you see the the resident and you see the um, attending and then the tech is there. So we all play on a role in communicating with each other to save this patient. Welcome to Health Careers with Dr. Martin, a podcast where we pull back the curtains, revealing what it's really like to work in various health and wellness professions. Each week, we interview a different guest discussing their unique profession and how they achieved their career success. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Marn, an anesthesiologist working in medicine for over 20 years. Have you ever wondered what are some of the people that make an anesthesiologist's job like myself easier? Well, today we're going to talk to one of those people. His name is Mr. Phil Hood Jr., and he is an anesthesia technologist. Phil achieved his EMT certificate at Southwest Community College in Memphis, Tennessee. He then became a EKG technician, allowing him to work at several locations in Tennessee. He then became a certified anesthesia technologist through Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, and then eventually moved to New York City in 2018. He's worked at New York Presbyterian Hospital as a certified anesthesia tech and recently moved to Mount Sinai System where he is one of the lead anesthesia support coordinators. You're going to learn how useful and hands-on this profession can be with patients, but that can vary based on the location and the culture within which you're working, as you will see. Of course, if you like what you've heard on this podcast and other episodes, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and device. Okay, let's jump into this conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode. I am with Philip Hood Jr. from Tennessee. Yes, from Tennessee, Tennessee, Memphis, (laughs) Tennessee. But uh, you're working in New York right now, right? Yes, I'm in New York City. I've been here a little over two years. All right. Well, Philip Hood is, or Phil, he is a certified anesthesia technologist, and we're going to talk to him about that. And I guess first off, Phil, I mean, tell me what an anesthesia technologist basically does. Um, so basically, um, we come in every morning, usually before you you all come, the doctors come. Mm-hmm. You sure about <laughs> um, that? Some of us show up pretty some early. Of you guys show up <laughs> early, but some of you guys be running late and be rushing. Uh, but <laughs> but yes. Um, so we get in, we do a machine checkout on an anesthesia machine, which is, we call it an FDA checkout. How, how early do you show up? Um, usually 5.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. Um, okay, okay. We just get the room prepared for the surgery. Like we have all of the intubating tools. We make sure that you have everything that you need to monitor the patient. So that's how our morning typically starts. And so when surgery actually starts, A lot of us go in during induction and assist the anesthesiologist or the CRNA, and we hook the patient up to the monitors like the EKG, the SpO2 monitor, um, blood pressure cuff, run the vitals, and then we start to help pre-oxygenate the patient if they... Like some of the people that show up late, <laughs> we we go, we hook them up, we pre-oxygenate as they draw their drugs. I see. So you're basically helping them with the start of the surgery in these ORs in the hospital. 
Yes. Um, most of the time, like ideally, we try to follow an attending because usually attending maybe cover two or three rooms. Okay. Um, and so we bounce to room to room with the attending, start induction, and then go on by our day. And then after induction, as the ORs come out, we turn over the room and get it prepared for the next case. And just for some people who don't know, induction is just the start of the anesthetic portion of, of the procedure. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Like we get the baseline vitals and then um, we pre-oxygenate, which fill their lungs up with oxygen. And then, yeah, we start pushing the anesthetics. And- oh, so you actually help the anesthesiologist administer the medicine as well sometimes? Sometimes, like in, in a tra- trauma situation, yes. Okay. And I'll tell you about that experience when we get to the story part. Oh, or, that story part. But, yeah. but just to give me an idea, like, all right, so you help the start of the procedure and the procedure gets going, the anesthesia gets started. What's the rest of your day like? So the rest of the day is pretty much just going from room to room or OR to OR and grabbing supplies or asking the provider whatever they need and turning over the rooms and just giving a report to the next shift. Most of the time we have to keep up with our equipment. Like uh, we have what we call an airway cart and usually we use that for patients who are difficult to intubate or uh, to, to put the breathing tube in to put it in simpler terms. Yep. But yeah, just most of the time we're walking around the OR collecting um, our equipment, helping the providers out. And um, that's pretty much it. Like keeping up with our stock, checking expiration dates, going to a pharmacy to uh, replenish drugs. So it's typically busy. You're on your feet most of the day, like running around. So you're uh, definitely making sure the inventory is in place for the anesthesia equipment and supplies? Yeah. So... We actually have a department called Material Management, and they order all our supplies and stock our main workroom, which is where we go. It's a central location to grab supplies and run into the um, ORs. Got it. So the anesthesia supplies and equipment don't supply themselves, (laughs) the ORs. (laughs) So you provide that function. Right. We're, We're like somewhat of their right-hand men. And women. When it comes to, um, <laughs> yeah, and women, yeah, yes. We're a very diverse um, group, so um, men and women. At the hospital you're working, working at, how many locations do you say you would have to cover for the day? So as a whole, like, we have 23 ORs. Okay. And then we have three endoscopy suites. Okay. And three L and D rooms. All right. And we have all another offsite like um, IR, radiology, um, MRI, and we cover sometimes like the PACU because we have to start like we have them start IVs if they if needed, like assist with IVs. Phil, so how many to cover all those locations? How many anesthesia technologists and techs are there on a given day? Where I am right now, we have eight techs. Okay. No, six techs. And we split the work pretty much evenly. Um, most of the off-sites like endoscopy, MRI, and IR pretty much run themselves throughout the day. So we focus mainly on the uh, main OR and L&D. So typically, we would like to have more than that, maybe like ideally 12. You want like four techs to a room. 
ratio. Four. Tech. I mean, four four rooms to one tech. Yeah, one tech. Got yeah. it. All right. So, if you could summarize what an anesthesia technologist does in one to two sentences, how would you phrase it? Oh, that's difficult, but I'll try. Um, I would say anesthesia technologists are the first line of support to the providers when it comes to technical support and also clinical support. For an- mainly anesthesiologists? Mainly anesthesi- anesthesiologists, yes. Got it. Or CRNAs. Okay. Got it. And wh- what is what time does your day usually end? Um, usually, our, my techs um, usually work eight-hour shifts. Um, some will do 10, some will do 12 just to get overtime. But usually there's three shifts. Um, you have the morning shift, which is um, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then you have a 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. And then you have a um, 10 to 5.30 a.m. Okay. Got it. What misconceptions do people have about your career? I think a lot of people think anesthesia techs, especially on the East Coast, are very limited to their knowledge as far as like knowledge for the medication, knowledge on like monitoring the hemodynamics. The techs are very clinical, but East Coast, since I've been on the East Coast, that's not really how they do things here. Mainly um, anesthesia techs do stocking and turnovers and that's it. But like in the Midwest and the South and the West Coast, techs are actually more clinical, um, start IVs. Some can even place A-lines. Um, arterial lines. But yes, okay. arterial lines, sorry. And that's more of an invasive blood pressure. Yeah. Yeah. That's not always so easy to do. Yeah. No, it's very difficult at times. Okay. And so there's a definitely a misconception about what certain technologists can do based on what kind of schooling they went to or where they went to school. Right. So the requirements now, um, you have to have at least a two-year degree to become certified. Mm-hmm. There, are still room, uh, there is still room for te- um, someone to become a tech, uh, but they won't be able to be get certified. So they can learn the job and some of the clinical aspects of the job, but more, they'll be more of a technical person. Okay. Like with troubleshooting the anesthesia machine, the airway, um, like the fiber optic machine, they'll learn those qualities of the job and not so much of the clinical aspect. I see. Okay. I want to definitely get into the education aspect of being an anesthesia tech, but before we do that, I want to ask, what is some of the rewarding parts of the job? that you find for yourself? The biggest thing is, um, you know, sometimes when you have like a, a routine surgery, you don't see the reward in there. You'd be like, okay, we did this case. We, the patient is fine. That's good. However, when you're in a trauma situation where you have a patient coming into the OR almost dead and you work together as a team and you collaborate, you see the, the resident and you see the um, attending and then the tech is there. So we all play on a role in communicating with each other to save this patient. And so when we have those people that are where we perform a CPR on them once they come into the OR and they walk out alive or they they make it, you know, sometimes we don't get to see the reward after like, okay, we saved them, but we don't know if they're going to live. And then when, when we 
follow up on a patient and realize that they are doing well and or been discharged from the hospital, it's like a, a very rewarding thing. And, and also just to be a part of something so amazing to, you know, how medication could keep a patient alive while, while their body is open and um, the surgeons are making repairs to the body. It's just, it's an amazing thing to see and, and be a part of and have that knowledge. Okay. I mean, that's pretty interesting because um, the anesthesia techs that I've been around over the years have not been as involved as you have, as you have described. Was there an instance where you've really, really um, remember where you, a case that really left an impression upon you? I had several. Um, I think you were going to describe one early on. About yeah, it. so, uh, well, this was like a chaotic night, um, very crazy night. Um, I was uh, the night weekend tech um, back at Vanderbilt University um, in Nashville, Tennessee. And so usually our night team is... We have three residents and one attending. And then we have like an attending on call and everything. So uh, one night we just got slammed with cases. Mm-hmm. Um, we had two um, traumas coming. And then we had, I mean, we had, you no, know, they were already active. And the attending and the resident got called to the floor to do an emergency intubation. And then like maybe 10, 15 minutes after they left, they called another trauma over the um, overhead. It was crazy. So when they called it, they was rolling the patient in the OR. Like they didn't give us, like they gave us very short notice. Um, So the patient- We're talking minutes here. Yes, yes. The patient is in the room. So this patient had, um, I think they were stabbed uh, by a knife in the the right side of their chest. And so- um, I get into in the room. I start hooking the patient up. So I'm just trying to make sure I prepare, get the patient prepared for the anesthesiologist. So we started hooking the patient up, put all the monitors on. Um, I started pre-oxygenating him. Really? So we were doing that. Um, but as they was moving the patient over to the bed, um, I started drawing up the propofol um, just in a 20cc syringe. Um, I drew up a couple because sometimes like, you don't know these patients like drug history or medical history, all that. Um, So I did that first and then hooked them up to the monitors, pre-oxygenated. And then the attendant walked in the room. So I was so happy (laughs) because I was really scared. Like I was like, you know, time, time is of the essence. So the patient, the, the patient recovered well, like all of our patients that night, like did well. So that was like, the scariest and most rewarding night of my career. Yeah. Yeah. You felt because you had a lot of things prepared, ready to go. It saved a lot of time so that when the anesthesiologist came in to actually start and administer the medications, it was in a timely manner because you had stuff ready. Right. Absolutely. Um, cause some, and you knew what to get ready too. Yes. Yes. Um, like I usually, um, as a night tech, I set up my trauma rooms. Um, and so, most of the time that consists of a Belmont, which is a rapid infuser. Like if the patient is um, have a big blood loss, mm-hmm. um, we can rapidly infuse blood into them. And then you have your paralytics that you have to put out just in, you know, everything and your ephedrine and everything. And so um, and we always give two IVs um, just in case we, you know, we get a peripheral, which is the arm, like it's somewhere in the arm, the AC. Um, and then sometimes we do a central line. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sounds like you like the trauma cases. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so exciting. Exhilarating. <laughs> yes, yes. It's it's fun. Um, you know, it's not so fun for the patient, but it's just amazing to see mm. everyone collaborate to save this patient. It's just like you see a lot of harmony in, yeah. in situations like that. And you've been part of it to actually have some of these patients have a good result. And you've been part of those, yes. those experiences, which is... Yes. Very rewarding, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, how would you describe your work-life balance as an anesthesia technologist? I think it's a, a good work-life balance. It depends on the facility um, you work for because sometimes at my old facility, we had to take call a lot. So we had regular call, like if someone calls out or if a lot of traumas come in or if we get a lot of cases at night, um, you call a tech in to help out. And you, we also are on call for um, liver cases because it takes a lot for us to tech to set that up and also cell savaging, which um, is a process where we take the patient blood and put it back in it, back in the patient. Right, right. After it's been processed and filtered. Yes. Got it. Um, but you know, you actually do something a little different than the other the typical anesthesia technologist. You actually have a managerial role. Absolutely, so yeah. what additional responsibilities do you have as a manager that you wouldn't have as a, a, a typical anesthesia technologist? Um, a lot. Um, <laughs> I am responsible for all, my whole team, all the, the anesthesia technologists. I'm also responsible for making sure that we keep up the annual educations, like all of the in-services, like even for the anesthesiologists and the CRNAs. Um, I just recently set up an in-service for our bail month, which is a rapid infusion because a lot of, we have a lot of new residents now and a lot of them don't know how to set that up. Mm -hmm. I'm also responsible for making sure that our material management teams supply us with all of our essential um, items, okay. um, which sometimes can be challenging. Got it. And just de dealing with different departments to make sure, like, I have to deal with pharmacy to make sure they get us all of our drugs. Um, also, CSPD, which is um, Central Sterile, where they sterilize all of our instruments and, and things like that. So it's very challenging. You ha I have to do payroll, which makes sure my techs get paid on time, <laughs> which is important. Everyone needs their money. Right. Um, yeah, and just you know, the the hardest thing of the of the about the job is disciplining the staff when they make an error. I commonly find, like I find often, the techs sometimes are pretty slow on checking expiration dates. So I sometimes when I do rounds, I find a lot a lot of supplies that may expire, and some of the things are like um, it's not that bad, but. It's just a it's a part of the job that is essential. And like especially with medications, you know, that can potentially harm or kill a patient. I see. What is the difference? We, we kind of talked about this before, you know, before we start the um, recording, but what's the difference between an anesthesia technologist mm -hmm. and an anesthesia technician? Is there any difference? So it's it's a small difference. A technologist is more educated on like pharmacy, like how the, the drugs work, okay. how to use a drug, like what the drug is for. Um, they teach you like how to uh, calculate the, the drug mi mixtures. 
Right. It's not a big difference, but it's just a little bit more of education uh, in a more clinical aspect of the job. Like technologists can do the IVs and are trained to do A-lines and to to dress. Um, I can't think of a proper word that we used to say. Oh, to scrub in during a central line and assist with a, a central line. And a technologist can float the swan with the doctor. So and a technician cannot, but the technician have very basic um, knowledge. So of, is there a difference in schooling between a technician and technologist? So back in 2015, ASAP, who, is, who does the accreditation and hands out the certification, they decided to do away with anesthesia technician, certified technician. Oh, really? Yeah. And just now it's like just anesthesia, um, certified anesthesia technologist. But you still have the the certified technicians, but it was just like two levels where where you had an option, and so now, that's why now you have to go to a two year college to be a technologist. With the technician, all you just needed was experience, some type of patient care experience, and you'll get trained on the job. Okay, so right now you cannot be an anesthesia technician anymore. Everybody has to be an anesthesia uh, anesthesia technologist. Um, let me clarify. You can be an anesthesia technician, like just a regular anesthesia technician, mm-hmm. but you can't become certified. Okay. So the only certification as an anesthesia technologist, the technologist. is as a technologist. Yeah. You can't be a certified anesthesia technician. No, not anymore. Got it. And I don't know if you was going to ask this, but um, the way I got into anesthesia. Yeah. So how did you get into this? So... I started off as an EMT. Um, I was an EMT for back in 2010, and I started working in the hospital as, as well as an um, EKG tech. Hey, Phil, was this right after high school? No, no. So after high school, I went to college, and I just did like the general courses. And so like I was debating on what I wanted to do. I didn't actually really know what I wanted to do. But then um, I got sick, like right after I graduated. Oh. I graduated in May and I got, I, I was hospitalized in November that year, that same year. I had a gallbladder surgery, Oh boy, a removal of it. And I was in the hospital for 11 days. I caught pneumonia. Like it, it was, it was, almost took me out. And you're young. You're like 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. 18. Um, I just had a really bad diet. Um, I was eating, <laughs> yeah, lots of fried food, McDonald's um, as a teenager. So, And you were, this is, you were in Tennessee at this time. Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So I, I had a good nurse and I had a really bad nurse and it was just something that clicked at that time for me that I was like, I want to be in, I want to be in this profession. Like I wanted to be a nurse at one point. And that's how I veered over to the, um, I went to EMT school. I was like, okay, let me just do EMT. And then I'll work my way up. Yeah. Emergency medical technician, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So I did that. Um, so I got better first and I just continued to go through college and just do the general courses. Okay. But I didn't go to AMT school right away. So it, it may have been like a year or two later, I actually went to EMT school, did that. And then I worked for a private ambulance company. And I didn't like that because basically what you do as in a private ambulance company is that you just go to nursing homes. 
and transport patients from like appointments to or to dialysis or if a patient is sick we'll take them to the ER I see uh, so it was it wasn't fun for me you're not responding but, to like the emergencies is what you're saying right right so during my clinicals while I was in school I, I worked for Memphis Fire Department where I volunteered um, and I was doing clinicals there so after I graduated, I asked the lieutenant if I could just come every now and then to keep my skills up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that happened and, and it was fun. I actually got to do the emergency cases, um, gunshot wounds to car accidents and fires. Um, By the way, so then, you're in college right now. Are you, huh? You're in college. I am. And so you're, you're working as an EMT, you're mm-hmm. going to college, and you're also volunteering at the fire department. Yes. Ah, that's a lot of time. It, it it was it was very demanding. However, taking care of patients was just a very a big passion of mine. And being in those emergency situations, um, I actually learned I didn't want to work with kids, like sick kids, because I had a situation where we we got a call and a kid got hit by a car, and so we made it to the scene the same time as the firefighters, and the kid was still under the car. And so once they lifted the car, we, we, we got the kid and we worked them. Like I, I really blacked out. I don't remember. I mean, I worked the, I worked the, the child, like we, my partner and I, we just, it was amazing. Like I just couldn't remember what everything, I was shocked. I shocked myself. Mm. So once we dropped them off, it was just like a reality check. Like, man, did I just do that? Like, did mm. this? and mm. I still don't know to this day if that kid lived or died. Mm. He was in bad condition. So, yeah. So, yes, I was doing all of this while in college working and because I'll do it on the weekends. I'll just do it like one day a week with the fire department just to keep the skills up. Okay, All right. So here you are as an EMT. Did you finish college then? I didn't. I didn't. I stopped school after that. And then I um, got into EKG monitor tech. I quit that job as the EMT in the private ambulance. Then I got into the monitor EKG tech. And so there I just started learning EKG rhythms and all of that and how to measure the, the, the PR and all that good stuff. And so one day, um, you know, I got tired of that. And then I was just like, I saw a job posted for an anesthesia technician And I was like, okay, it's a job fair the company is holding. And so I was just like, okay, I'll just try it out. So had no idea what I was getting into. Never heard of an anesthesia technician. And so um, I had the interview and we discussed the like the supplies and like a lot of things were familiar to me, like ET to the blade to intubate and like all of the things sounded familiar. And so I got into that uh, when I first started as an anesthesia tech. Oh, my God. I was so frustrated all the time because I felt like I was being set up for failure. But a lot of things on the job you had to you had to learn like you had no one could teach you unless you go through it. Most of the job you have to experience it for yourself to in order to learn. But yeah, so then I challenged the test before 2015. and. I got my certification. And a little after that, I graduated from college. Um, why did you make the decision to go from an EM, you know, EKG tech to an anesthesia tech? What was the draw for you? So the, the EKG, 
G monitoring tech, it was just too routine. It was boring to me. It, mm. it ended up getting boring because you watch monitor, you watch a patient heartbeat and rhythm all night or all day. And you you make a report, um, you know, some of the measurements can tell you like if the patient is having some type of illness or some type of disease or something. Um, but it was just very boring. Um, and I was like, I know I can do more. Like being an EMT to that, like the EMT was more exciting and I, I had more hands on with the patient interaction. So but I was glad I made that transition because I'm, I'm really happy with being an anesthesia technologist now. Um, would you, uh, reflecting back, would you have done anything differently? Looking back, I always said I would have done something differently. I would have, I would have focused more on my end goal. Yeah, I would have focused more on my end goal. And what I mean by that, when I first got my first experience with healthcare and wanted to be a nurse, I did, I shouldn't have taken those shortcuts. I thought the shortcuts will, will be better. But at the same time, now that I look back, I think it helped me make me who I am today. And I've, what you call it, um, I've used all of my skills now, like from being an EMT to the EKG monitoring tech and now anesthesia tech. Now I, I have this knowledge that I could bring to the job that uh, somebody that went through a normal program, anesthesia technician program, that some of the skills they may not have never experienced. And so like, I feel like being an EMT prepared me for like being a trauma technician, like um, anesthesia technician, like I was prepared. I wasn't scared. And it was just more of like second nature to me. So I kind of contradict myself, but I feel like I don't have any regrets because my experience experiences made me who I am today. And I'm very proud of that person. But at the same time, I think as a teenager, we get distracted and you think that other paths or avenues that you think is a shortcut can actually veer you off your path and make it a longer process for you. I see. What were you trying to do a shortcut to? So to, to be a nurse, I because <laughs> I thought that the EMT will like help me like learn the basics and then you know, just continue on. But then I got stuck doing that and lost the motivation to go, you know, to continue school because, you know, I started making a little bit more money. Yeah. So I was a little excited, you know, being young and um, yeah. Do you think being a nurse down the line is something you'd be interested in doing? Yes. So I'm, I'm back in school now um, just doing my prerequisites for nursing and I want to go to CRNA school. Oh, CRNA school. Be a, be a nurse anesthetist. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, as an anesthesia technologist, would you recommend this career to students? Yes. I think that this career could be very rewarding, uh, especially for someone that doesn't want to be too active with patient care, but be somewhat active. I think this job, you can learn a lot. Um, you can get to know yourself and it also can be a stepping stone to other careers because you learn so much and then you get to see where you would like to be. I see. I see. That's very interesting. Phil, where can listeners go to reach you and learn more about you? They can either reach out to you 
or they can follow me on Instagram. It is Phil's, P-H-I-L-S underscore philosophy underscore. All right. And it ends in an underscore? Yes. <laughs> someone already, someone took my name. That was my- Oh, um, those, those, those other Phil's, I gotcha. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. How like, dare I, they? <laughs> I'm, I'm a very like motivational type of speaker type guy. And I like to ins- inspire through Instagram and social media. All right. Yeah. Awesome. That'd be great. We got to check that out. Um, all right. So, hey, Phil, thank you so much for giving us uh, uh, some backdrop of your, of your career and a little bit about yourself. I really appreciate it. I'd like to go through a bunch of questions, though, just so people get a little bit more information about you. This is very lighthearted. <laughs> you know, uh, this is definitely recorded. Okay. okay. <laughs> These are rapid fire questions. Okay. Very simple. Let's keep it to like a one answer or a sentence. Okay. All right. Place where you most want to travel to? Um, Paris, Ethiopia, and um, Brazil. Oh, yeah. I can see how they're all connected. <laughs> I know very different places. What's a country you'd be okay never visiting in your life? Ah, uh, um, what is it? What is it? Antarctica. All right. What's for dinner tonight? Um, maybe sa- salmon, salmon, and some like a baked potato. Not McDonald's. No McDonald's. No. <laughs> no. Favorite ice cream flavor? Vanilla. What's something you could eat for a week straight? Popcorn. <laughs> wow. Okay. Big dogs or small dogs? Big dogs. What's your ideal outside temperature? 72. Climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Jump from a plane. If you could get a yacht, what would you call it? Uh, starship. And finally, if I like this question. Uh, I've used it for other guests. If you were stranded on a tropical island, what two things would you want with you? Oh, um, music, like a radio. Um, and I would say, um, well, I guess I, I can't say that. Oh, because I was going to say a pen and paper because um, I'm a writer as well. So if I had to choose, it will be um, music and lotion. I hate dry skin. <laughs> uh, I hate it. <laughs> wow, that's some deep information you're sharing with listeners. Thank you very much for sharing, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Anyway, thank listen, thank you so much for uh, joining uh, me on this episode. And uh, thank you for I really appreciate the, the background information and, and sharing your experiences. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Health Careers with Dr. Martin. I really enjoyed talking with Phil Hood about his career as an anesthesia tech. I especially like how he described uh, how involved he is as a technician helping the anesthesiologist. He actually is doing some really important things, getting that procedure and anesthesia started, even in some very life-threatening situations for the patient. I think he really highlighted this unique role where he has a real direct impact on patient care. So I'm just so happy he was able to participate in this episode. To learn more about this guest and other past guests, or if you'd like to reach out to me, visit healthcareerswithdrmarn.com or hcwithdrmarn.com. Catch you on the next episode.